Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Omar Zenholm, who's the co-founder and CEO at Webinar Ninja. And Webinar Ninja was founded in 2014, had over a million people attend webinars on the platform since, and it was one of the fastest growing SaaS companies of 2018. Omar is also the host of the iTunes Best of 2014 podcast, The $100 MBA Show. With over 1,600 episodes, they release a new episode every day. It's a business lesson every single day, and they now have tens of millions of downloads all time. It's a show I've, I've heard about a long time ago, kind of one of the like, OG of sorts uh, business podcasts that's been around for a, a while and has really just taken off as they've stayed so committed to this. It wasn't always that way. And in this episode, we discuss how he started the podcast, how he started Webinar Ninja, and so much more. This was such a fun episode, one I was really looking forward to. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest-growing marketing consultancies, and their collaborative process, a la carte offering, and month-to-month fee structure give clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper, to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Without further ado, here is Omar Zenholm, the co-founder and CEO of Webinar Ninja and host of the $100 MBA show. Omar, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. And there's a lot to discuss with both Webinar Ninja and the $100 MBA. And I know this started a number of years ago. I'm I'm curious. I know the $100 MBA was first, at least based on like LinkedIn and everything I've seen. How did that get started in the first place, Omar? Uh, the $100 MBA uh, started because I uh, transitioned from full-time uh, employment as an educator. I was in education for 13 years. I was a high school and university teacher and had a department. Uh, that was my first career. And when I made that transition into entrepreneurship, uh, I was insecure about how I felt as an entrepreneur. As I, was, I was insecure about um, you know, being an expert, quote-unquote, and uh, I decided to go to business school uh, at the age of you know 31 or something. I was really an oddball in my class. I went to Warren Business School, and after my first semester, uh, you know, I had a word with a marketing professor of mine who's like asking me, "What are you doing here? Like, why why are you in business school?" And I just said, "Oh, I'm here to get my MBA to you know get uh, an education so I can become a great entrepreneur." And he just kind of shook his head in like confusion. And it was just like, uh, you don't get an MBA to be a great entrepreneur. You get an MBA to get a great job at Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or whatever it was at the time. And uh, at that moment, I realized I I was just here to give myself permission. Uh, What an expensive way to do that. Um, (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, how many other people are insecure about their business knowledge, whether it's marketing or finance or sales? 
the basics of business uh, so they feel confident enough and have the skills to move forward and start their first business. Um, so uh, I decided to drop out and use the money to start uh, the $100 MBA, which is exactly what it sounds like, a $100 MBA education. Um, some people write a book. But for me, uh, as a former teacher, I thought I would create a course, and that would be kind of my calling card. Uh, and uh, it kind of that turned into a podcast, which is the Hundred MBA Show. Um, a lot of people uh, always ask me, like, "Wow, what a great show!" Kind of hit it, hit it out of the park, you know. And it was like uh, amazing on iTunes in the first, you know, even this in the first few weeks and beyond. But what a lot of people don't know is that wasn't my first podcast. <laughs> um, my first podcast was called "People Who Know Their Shit." Um, excuse the language, but no, girl, it's all good. Um, but, uh, unfortunately the show was shit. Um, and, but I learned a lot of hard lessons, uh, 50, I think it was, no, so it was like 46 episodes. Uh, we had, it was an interview show, uh, and it was me and my partner and business partner in life, Nicole interviewing, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we had some really great guests. Somehow we managed to get like Gary Vaynerchuk on our show and things like that. But on a, yeah, on a great day, maybe we had about 400 downloads on an episode, um, and we really tried hard. We tried to do it for six months strong, um, but it just uh, didn't work. It just was it was a failure, um, despite our best efforts. Uh, and at the time, Nicole and I went on a road trip. Uh, we we had a a gig we wanted to do. Nicole's a, a former um, she's a graduate of uh, New York Film Academy, and she was doing a a film. Uh, a film gig over there in New York, and we were living in San Diego, and we drove to San Diego to New York just to give ourselves time to talk and think. And in that journey, we were just trying to figure out why is this podcast not working? Uh, what's going on? Um, and after you know a few days on the road, we realized you know the bottom line is is that we were doing something that really wasn't our strength. Like we weren't leveraging our strengths. Yeah. Um, and 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 my strength is uh, my experience and skills in education and teaching and learning, and I wasn't exploiting that. I was kind of denying my past uh, and doing an interview show. And I'm not a great interviewer, uh, and I, I didn't have that skill. So that's when we pivoted and said, let's start a new podcast uh, with that in mind. Um, Nicole also is a big uh, lover of languages, and one of her favorite podcasts uh, was Coffee Break French and. They also have coffee break Spanish. And we love the concept of like daily language lessons. And we thought maybe, no, you know, we do this for business. No one's doing this for business. You know, business podcasts are either interview podcasts or discussions or like kind of, you know, um, a, a couple of uh, a hosts kind of hashing it out. And I felt like that feels really comfortable for me, like to be able to succinctly give a lesson every single day, something I did for my the first half of my adult life. So I was like, uh, I'm going to do daily business lessons. Um, and we just branded it with the same as uh, the same uh, brand as our course, the $100 MBA, called the $100 MBA Show. And um, uh, that's that's basically it. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, a lot to unpack there. One thing I want to go back to quickly is you mentioned you had this other show. You're doing interviews. You got Gary Vee on just ran. I mean, this is 2012 then, 2013, I guess, yeah. uh, which is uh, before Gary Vee. He's still big, but not as big as now, obviously. But how did you say point of figuring out like, that show is a failure? You said six months, but what was it about it that was like, okay, this isn't working? Was it? I'm curious about that side of it. Our goal with the podcast was to build an audience. Uh, I really am a big believer that if you don't have an audience, you don't have a business. And you need a large enough audience so you can not only 
learn from them. You can find out what their pain points are. You can build great products and services for them, but also just uh, to sell to. You can't if you don't have anybody to sell to, then it's hard for you to even have uh, any uh, ambition to have a successful business. Um, you know, one of the most prime examples of this is you know the Kardashians. Like you know, they pretty much can sell any product now because they have an right. audience. Right. So um, an audience is key. And, and uh, I mentioned, you know, at the time when we were doing this podcast, you know, the first podcast, uh, I remember seeing uh, Seth Godin at a conference and he said something uh, just kind of half joking. He said one of the best ways to become successful as an entrepreneur is to become famous. And what he meant was just like to have people listen to you, to have people, um, you know, have a relationship with you, even from afar with a podcast or a YouTube show or a blog or whatever it is. So uh, for me, um, I just felt like this was not moving the needle. You know, uh, we were probably getting just as much traffic to a blog post. Um, so it was like, there's a lot of effort and a lot of work <laughs> to create a podcast. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I want to go all in. I want to make sure it's successful. And it just felt wrong. You know, we, tr you know, if you don't see things trending, getting better, you got to try something different. You got to pivot. You got to, you know, you can't just keep doing the same thing. And I guess that's kind of a, a metaphor for for business and life, and with that, so you understand that this this wasn't the method you you wanted to use. You know, you get as many views from a blog post versus a versus a podcast. One thing, real quick, just to go back to though, with that time period, I mean, two thousand thirteen. I mean, what was podcasting at, at that point in time? How crowded? Uh, mm. Because it's it's different. This is twenty twenty. We're recording this. I'm curious as to back then what you were seeing, what it was like at that time that made you do a podcast in the first place. Um, well. I actually started to do podcasts because I went to this ex uh, this uh, conference called New Media Expo um, in Vegas, and it was oh I've been there one time, yeah, yeah, and it it was it was a a great experience because I met a lot of the people that I consider friends now who are entrepreneurs and run great businesses, and um, in that conference, like podcasting was kind of the up and coming thing. And uh, people were like, oh, you know, you can do a podcast off video and you can rip the audio. And it, it just kind of feeded that idea. And, and I was a consumer of podcasts. I'd, I'd love to listen to them. So um, that was kind of the thing. But in terms of like the environment, um, a lot of people don't realize like, you know, it's very competitive podcasting now and today especially. But even when I started the $100 MBA show back in August of 2014, um, you know, I had to get real with myself. I had to take a look at, you know, who are the top podcasters in, you know, the business section in iTunes, for example. And I would look and it was, you know, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss has like four New York Times bestsellers. And the guy has yeah. got the Midas touch. You know, all this guy does is win. You know, and I looked at like Pat Flynn, who, you know, everybody adores him. And he's been running a podcast, you know, for years before me. I looked at people like Jordan Harbinger, who has been podcasting for over a decade before the iPhone even came out. You know, yeah. and I had to get real with myself. Like, how am I really going to compete with these people if I just try to do another Me Too podcast? Um, and I, I realized, you know, um, I, I'm confidently uh, a better teacher than them. I can teach concepts. I can pack a lot of great value in a short amount of time. Uh, I think I can compete in that front. I can be able to uh, offer a different type of value to listeners uh, that are interested in growing a business. Um, and and if you don't really be honest with yourself, it's hard for you to really understand how you can have a unique selling proposition for whatever you offer. Yeah, it's interesting you, you mentioned that because there was, I mean, so much competition. There was always competition, but even at that time, like you knew that wasn't going to be 
necessarily your strong point to fight them, you know, in their exact battle with what they've done. They had already built that up. And uh, even now, I mean, Tim is like the top in entrepreneurship repeatedly. I mean, he's always number one or two, maybe Gary Vee's number two, uh, just depends on that. But so then you launched the hundred dollar MBA, leveraging your strengths, knowing that you, you can teach, you have this ability, you understand business from that perspective. Take me through then how that went the first, the first few months of the hundred dollar MBA with the show. How was that? I'm curious. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't know that I, I actually recorded the first, I think the first five or 10 episodes uh, several times over. Like I just was not happy with the way they sounded, the way I sounded on the mic. I mean, if I listen to the first hundred episodes of the Hunter NBA show, it's like torture, like it's so cringeworthy. <laughs> but yeah. if you don't have cringeworthy work, it doesn't mean, it means like you're not improving. So you really need to make sure that uh, you, you have to put something out there. But yeah. I really put a lot of work in, you know, Nicole, my partner in business and life, she all, you know, did a ton of work with the production and in the editing and in the sound. Um, we actually had to sacrifice a lot. Like we took a huge risk because we said no to a lot of our clients so we can focus on the podcast. You know, starting a podcast is not lucrative. You know, you don't have anything <laughs> yet. You have no audience. There's no hope for sponsors. There's nothing in the beginning because... You still haven't established yourself. You don't know if the audience is going to like it yet. So the the, the pre-production before we even launch was a big risk on us. We took 30 days where we just focused on building this podcast. Um, and then we launched it with like 30 episodes already recorded in the can. So that way um, we have some lead time and we can you know adjust as we go along. Um, I was aware that the show was resonating with people. Like we were like number one on New and Noteworthy for like, um, I believe, six, six weeks straight. And we were... Wow you know, pretty competitive. Um, you know, uh, we launched the same time as startup, which was a very, you know, popular show. Yep. Um, but I knew that, you know, in your first eight weeks of iTunes, you know, it's not a really good measure of how well you're doing just because you get a little of exposure because of the new noteworthy. And then after that, you know, you, it, you, know, you got to kind of stand on your own marketing and your own laurels. And one of the things I really was just really focused on and, uh, wanted to make sure that we just produce a great show, like a really great quality product so that people listen to it and say, this is amazing. I got to share with my friends. This is something I love. I want to listen to tomorrow. I'm going to subscribe. Uh, it had to be compelling. And I just, you know, I didn't worry about anything else other than just really make sure that we deliver that kind of quality. And every time I would go and record and get on the mic, I'd like, okay, I got to make this like the best episode I've ever done so far. Um, and that really helped. It just kept my head down, just kind of focused on that. We were aware like our download numbers were going up and up. And I remember after the first um, two months or so, we were getting an average of 10,000 downloads uh, an episode. And I was like, okay, this is now getting some serious traction. Um, still kind of focused. And then December, so we launched in August and in December of that year, um, uh, I, it, it was like a few weeks before Christmas, a couple weeks before Christmas. I woke up in the morning and my phone had all these tweets and, and I never get tweeted out. I was like, you know, <laughs> no one knows who I am. Um, but I learned that uh, iTunes uh, awarded us best of iTunes, which is only given to a handful of, of podcasts every year. And, you know, we're sharing pixels with Serial and Startup. And I was like, what in the world? And I'm getting like mentioned from, you know, uh, from all these people that I look up to. And uh, for me, it was just like... Um, the first time I had external validation that, you know, we've built something amazing. We built something that is useful that people like. Um, and from there, we just 
you know, we didn't rest on our laurels. We really said, okay, let's use this momentum, this exposure and try to grow the podcast even more and try to get more listeners and um, improve the show, the quality, the guest, the guest teachers that we have on, you know, uh, every two weeks. Um, and really just focus on that. Um, and uh, six years later, over 1,600 episodes, uh, we average around 120,000 downloads an episode. So it's been great to be able to not only grow as a podcast, but just impact so many people around the world. Um, you know, we're a top business podcast in over 30 countries. Um, and it's just a way for people to uh, get started. Uh, for me, that's the biggest accomplishment is just getting people you know, off their ass and getting them to <laughs> take that first leap. Yeah. Um, and just reading the reviews of, you know, of the podcast that we see just people saying, you know, this, this helped me, you know, just take another step forward. This helped me to kind of just, uh, block out the noise. There's so much advice there. And one of the things I really wanted to do with the podcast, is just to like, just do this today, you know, just focus on this today, get this thing done and then come back tomorrow and I'll give you something else to do. Um, and that was really just something that, uh, I really think is that I'm proud of. Yeah. And that's one of the things about podcasting and other media in general, the ability to, you know, the one to many where if you can build this thing, you can grow this audience and you have the ability to reach so many people, something that just wasn't around before. I mean, years and years ago, it just wasn't an option. And it's one of the unique things about, you know, living this time and it's obviously been around for a bit now, but you can grow this and then impact that, you know, so many lives. One of the things that I want to go back to with your, your story is, when you said, you know, we really want to go double down this kind of thing where we had a lot of traction initially, what were some of the things then you were doing to really kind of go all in and even grow this more then? Yeah. So, uh, totally, uh, invested in making sure that I give back to the community. So I would, uh, definitely be part of other podcasting conferences. I would try to, you know, improve my public speaking skills, um, I would also improve just uh, my voice. You know, I took some voice lessons to make sure that, uh, you know, I sound better on the mic. The quality of the podcast got better. We got a full-time uh, sound engineer and editor that really helped uh, take it to the next level. Um, and uh, just generally uh, being mindful that, you know, you have to have a strategy to market the podcast. It's not just, you know, put it out there and just hope for the best, you know, whether it's on social, whether it's getting on other podcasts and uh, and adding value to other audiences that that may have not heard of you, uh, whether it's doing webinars and, and helping people with there and 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 doing like kind of guest uh, lessons uh, via video, um, you know, just just trying to uh, expand the network a little bit uh, when it comes to the podcast. But to be quite honest. Um, if I had to say one thing is just the consistency, just being consistent, trying your best to uh, serve your audience, focusing on the quality of the show. Uh, a lot of people don't give themselves a chance to get to any kind of momentum. Like, yeah. um, and uh, the, if, if you start seeing some progress, don't stop, just keep on improving, keep on trying, keep on pushing. You know, I've been doing this for six years um, and, uh, you know, it takes some time. It takes some time, not only for the show to get better, but for you to get better. I mean, we just be honest yeah. with ourselves, you know, like you, you, you the amount of success you're going to have is going to be directly proportionate to the amount of value you add to people's life. One of the things you mentioned too, <laughs> 1600 episodes in six years, how much do you think you mentioned consistency, which I think is important, but you could have been consistently releasing, you know, once a week or twice a week, you were doing it daily. How much do you think daily contributed to the growth and kind of compound effect of how this has really taken off? Uh, I think daily just works for our type of show, given it's, you know, it's a daily 10 to 15 minute lessons. It's short and concise. 
Um, you know, Tim Ferriss has a podcast where he's with a guest for two plus hours. Um, yeah. uh, and that's just something people can't consume on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> you're just asking for too much. It's just overload. Um, so I think the daily format uh, works for the format of the show. So that's kind of why we we stuck to daily. We actually experimented in doing a little less frequency uh, for a short period of time. Realized, you know, it's not what the listeners uh, would prefer. Uh, changed back, all that kind of stuff. So we we did take some risks in it and and change things up early on. Um, but we just found that it works well with the format. One thing is too, you mentioned you had 30, 30 kind of episodes already ready to roll when you started. And then you've done, I mean, 1600, like I said, is a, is a ton. How are you thinking about the curriculum, the content, what you release each week uh, with, you know, every, every day or something new? Because there's so many ways you can go about that. I'm curious as to how, how you and your team kind of look at the content strategy in terms of what's going to actually be in the podcast each day. Totally. So I, I definitely see it as a curriculum. I see it as basically lesson planning for the year, um, as if I was a teacher. Uh, a lot of our listeners, when they listen to a few episodes, uh, the first thing they do is they go back to the archives and start with episode one, um, because it does build upon each other. Uh, some of the episodes we have today is more about you know scaling your team, about having difficult conversations with your teammates, how to fire an employee, how to you know, uh, cut costs if you need to cut costs at some point if you're in a situation like COVID. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, I like to have our lessons build upon each other. Um, so uh, if you listen to something yesterday, today, it's even more relevant. Uh, and to be quite honest, um, a lot of it is a little bit meta. So I will throw in some episodes about things I've learned in my own businesses uh, some challenges I've had, and I'll just share it with the audience as a lesson and kind of carve out like, these are the takeaways I got through that experience. There's yeah. And there's so much you, you can do with, with having that backlog of, of content as well. I'm sure you've, you've learned a ton from that. And you had mentioned webinars. I want to get into that as well. At what point did webinar ninja come into play? How, how did you decide to start that? It's interesting. Cause we actually started webinar ninja before we started the Hunter MBA show, uh, it wasn't uh, popular at the point at that point because we were still in beta. Um, a lot of people uh, wonder. <laughs> people ask me this. They a lot of they wonder like, would there be a hundred dollar MBA show if, if Webinar Ninja took off uh, uh, earlier on? Um, and I'm actually glad <laughs> it didn't uh, because uh, because I was still in that stage where it's like um, I want to be able to have options and be able to kind of. Uh, Make sure the podcast doesn't, you know, um, take a back seat. I wanted to make sure the, the podcast was the engine to grow our audience. Yeah. So, um, Webinar Ninja actually was, it's just an interesting story because uh, it, 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 there's a whole bunch of failures and a bunch of learning opportunities that happened before we actually nailed what that was going to be. Um, so, I, I was running webinars every single week to sell our course, 100 MBA, and other coaching programs I was doing and things like that. And, and I loved doing webinars because I really believe that teaching is the new selling. I really believe that teaching is a great way for you to earn trust with your audience, uh, to show them your value and not just uh, you know tell them your value. Uh, and then from there, uh, you're able to kind of convert them into customers, lifelong customers because of that relationship building. Um, so I was doing it every single week. The problem was is that I hated the webinar softwares out there. Um, they're not even full solutions because I had to Frankenstein other pieces of software to make them work. Till this day, these softwares are still around where you still have to add landing pages and email marketing 
in the back end and you have to save the recording somewhere because there's no storage. And then how am I going to offer this replay to people that only registered and how do I restrict access? And <laughs> there's so many moving parts. It took me like two hours every single week to create a webinar. Um, so uh, it was funny because in that process, I was just documenting the steps of doing this uh, because just to make my life easier and just follow the steps every week. And then I said, hey, maybe I'll publish this as a guide. Um, and I, I actually worked on this for like four months. And Nicole and I worked really hard on this. And then uh, we launched this product called the DIY Webinar Guide, showing people step-by-step -step how we put our webinars together every single week, hodgepodge all these pieces of software to make it work uh, and be able to you know fuel our marketing. Uh, we launched that product. That product had two sales, okay? And one of those sales... <laughs> And one of those sales was a chargeback. So it was, and the other sale was actually just a friend. It was John Lee Dumas, who was just interested in what I was doing. You know, John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire. Yeah. And um, it was just a huge gut check. It was like, wow, I spent four <laughs> months working on this thing. It's going to be amazing. People are going to love this because like, they're going to like have like, you know, the step-by-step. -step. And uh, while I, that was a gut check, I realized, wow, this is not what people need. I, I thought this is what people needed. What they actually want is a solution. They don't want to do the work. Yeah. Um, and I started tinkering with um, with WordPress at the time. I, I know my way around WordPress. I'm a self-taught, um, you know, WordPress developer. No bit of PHP, HTML, CSS. Um, you know, nowhere near expert. Just enough to kind of uh, cause some cause some trouble. Not to be but, dangerous. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I I crafted a, a WordPress plugin just to save myself time uh, to create all those moving parts of the webinar for me every week. Um, and I started running webinars with it. Uh, my audience started asking, what are you using for your webinars? I haven't seen this before. And it just said, just something I slapped together. And, and then people started asking, well, can we buy it? And I thought, hmm, I just never thought about that. And I was like, and it just coincided with the failure of the, of the, of the guide. And yeah. then from there, I was like, okay, uh, I learned my lesson from last time that, you know, I work really hard on something and I launch it and then people don't buy. So I want to make sure people actually want this product before I sell it. So I actually pre-launched the beta version of Webinar Ninja back in uh, April of 2014, where uh, I basically just created a landing page with mock-ups in Photoshop, disgusting looking mock-ups that I designed myself <laughs> that I'm too embarrassed to show today. Um, and we'll I find them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically just said, "Hey, here, here, are, um, the what, what webinar ninja is going to be like." I wanted to clean up for commercial use and make sure that I can give licenses out and all that kind of stuff, and say, um, "You know, this is these are the problems it's going to solve. This is what it does. Here are some designs. Here are the features. Um, if you're interested, um, you can pre-order." Uh, and you'll get lifetime lifetime access as a beta member. Um, and we're only opening it up to 150 people. Um, and I just wanted to see if there's people would be interested. Um, I had a very small email list at the time, less than a thousand people. Um, and so I just emailed my list. I told them about this. I literally cold, not cold emailed, but reached out to anybody I ever met at a conference. Um, anybody I spoke to, I just had their email or their Twitter or whatever. And I just DM them or messaged them and said, Hey, I'm launching this new thing. Here's the link. If you know anybody who'd be interested, would you mind sharing it or putting it on social? That'd be super helpful. Um, uh, we opened it up and it sold out in 48 hours. And at that moment we realized, okay, there's enough pain that people are willing to put money up for the promise of a solution to a better webinar software. 
uh, something yeah. that's easier to use, something that's less headaches. So that I was like, okay, wow, this is interesting. And at that moment, I was like, okay, let's get uh, see if we have a little bit more demand so we can get enough kind of seed capital to, to hire a, a real developer to, to clean this up and make sure that we can release it. And uh, we, we did that. We released uh, another 100 beta spots, and uh, that sold out in 24 hours. So we're like, okay, we have a good amount of money now. Um, we cleaned it up. We released it after four months. Um, it wasn't perfect. It had some bugs. But what was great is that those beta members are people I know by name, that I can reach out to them. They're a big part of our community, even till today, because they informed the product, helped us improve the product. Uh, we reiterated. Um, after we got out of beta, we moved out off WordPress and became a cloud-based, uh, you know, web-based platform. Um, and uh, you know, we just iterated, and that's going to be our, our kind of philosophy uh, at Webinar Ninja for six years now, where we um, we listen to customer feedback, we try to figure out how to solve these problems for them, how to refine the product, how to make it simpler, how to make sure it still stays easy to use and intuitive without bloating the software when you're trying to add new features. Um, which is a very hard thing to do, very delicate balance, and which features to say no to. Like that's not what we do. Uh, so that's that's been a fun exercise over the years. But um, year after year, we improve with new versions, and uh, and through that process, uh, we're growing the team, we're making hires, we're making key hires with with management. Um, and in the last six years, uh, if anybody's ever started a, a software company or any kind of company where you're growing your team. Uh, you as a person, as a leader, has to grow. You have to evolve. You have to change because what you did in the first early days is not needed anymore. You're needed yeah. to do other things. Um, and it's hard to kind of kick bad habits sometimes. And you have to kind of adjust and make sure that you uh, understand that, hey, um, I need to shift what I do every day and how I think and how I make decisions and how I manage my team. With the early days, you mentioned you know having a landing page to gauge demand, which is obviously a, a great idea, and like a lot of people kind of do this this testing with that just to see you know would people even pay for it. At that time when you were doing that, was it a matter of okay you're going to be beta kind of users of this? Did you give them a timeline for when this was going to be usable and out in the world, or how did you communicate with them along the way of like okay when will we actually have a product you can use for webinars? Yeah, I totally um, was honest with them. I said it's going to be about four to five months uh, for us to be ready. Uh, we didn't release on time, but in those four to five months, I would email everybody regularly and give them updates. I would shoot videos. I would say, hey, this is where we're at right now. Um, we have a little bit of a delay. Excuse me. We have a little bit of a delay because um, of this thing or that thing. Um, but And I just keep them in the loop. And uh, you know, I would just say, hey, you know, this is the progress we've made. I would shoot videos about new things that we've created. Uh, sometimes I would run a demo webinar to show them like, you know, the, you know, uh, what, what it looks like in, in live action. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, we didn't release exactly on time. Uh, we were, I think we were like three weeks late. Um, but, um, you know, I just thought it was important to continue to the, uh, communicate with the audience and to the customers so they know what's going on. And one thing too, with, you have obviously some, some coding skills to be able to build basic MVPs, you know, plugins, et cetera. But with the technical side of things, not necessarily being fully technical with building something like this necessarily, how did you go about finding the technical talent to build what you want to build with this software? Yeah, I want to be clear. I don't consider myself a technical founder. Um, I, I uh, you know, WordPress is nowhere near what you need to do to build a successful SaaS company. Yeah, you know? um, for sure. And, <laughs> and um 
and everybody we have now on our team can run laps around me. Um, I just know enough to understand what's going on. Um, yeah. but, uh, to answer the question, uh, it's, it takes trial and error sometimes. Sometimes you don't know um, exactly uh, what you're looking for or how to evaluate somebody if they're going to do the job right. Um, in the beginning, you know, we made a few good hires, a couple of bad hires, um, but just be willing to kind of change things and um, be willing to kind of understand that you're not always going to make the best hire. Obviously, it gets better over time. It gets better once you start having managers who can evaluate for these people for you, make the hires for you because they know more than you. Um, that's really hard in the beginning, I have to say. It's a lot of trial and error. Um, but uh, I love um, Warren Buffett's rule. There's uh, he, he has a rule of uh, saying he hires for three factors, and one is uh, expertise. So that's only one of the three is like expertise is what you should hire for. Uh, the second thing is just overall energy and attitude. Like if they have a great energy and a great attitude and they're motivated and they are a problem solver and they have autonomy. And the third thing is integrity. And he says that if they don't have integrity, then the first two are actually really bad. You don't want somebody with no <laughs> integrity that has, is highly skilled and has got a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. And obviously if they, um, if they, and he says, if, if they do have, if they don't have integrity, you actually want them to be dumb. You want them to be like, just <laughs> do things that they don't have responsibility over and then lazy and not have any energy, which is an interesting take. And I thought that was really good advice. And at least I had control over the first, the last two and I can kind of, uh, take the gamble sometimes. And, uh, and we usually do just contracts, short-term contracts and, uh, evaluate, uh, as we made our first few hires, you learn through mistakes. We started to do projects. So basically before we make a full-time hire, we give them one isolated project, see how they perform. Uh, and if that's successful, uh, we move on to, uh, having them more uh, as a long-term employee. Yeah, it make, makes sense. And that's a good way to test it out. I've heard a number of other people on my podcast mention that different entrepreneurs and, and it was something you mentioned earlier about having to evolve your skill set as the business changes. And you, you come from uh, the educational background and then you start in 2014, 2013, and this thing grows both the hundred hour MBA and webinar ninja. Take me through today. Like what are, what are the skills you've had to develop today to run the business? I mean, you're running a software company plus this podcast uh, as well, plus the course. I mean, I'm curious, as to what are the skills today you think you, you've developed that allow you to run all of this successfully? Yeah, in the beginning, you're just trying to get things done. You're just trying to make a buck. You know, you're just trying to really validate ideas and, you know, make it to the next month and all that kind of stuff, right? So you're living in the now. You're living in the, the nitty gritty you're in the doing mode. Like you're, you know, uh, my buddy Chase Reeves, uh, who's got a shout out to Chase. If anybody is interested in like bags, he's got a great, uh, YouTube channel. He reviews like travel bags. He's, he's a fun guy. Hilarious. Amazing. Amazing. So Chase, <laughs> Chase Reeves has this concept that I learned from him is called, uh, yeah, the CEO mode and the worker bee mode. Um, and when you're an independent business and you're small in the beginning, you have to wear both hats. You have to kind of do the strategy and the planning and be in CEO mode. And then literally the hour next hour, you got to put on the worker bee mode where you're just like, okay, now I got to implement everything I just planned. And I just got to <laughs> focus on that and not question the strategy. Yeah. Um, and as you grow, you become less of a worker bee and more of a CEO, which you need to be, you know? Um, but, uh, Again, like I said, all habits die hard. It's very common for you know people to want to just jump in and solve problems and do the thing themselves. And again, I mean, I can do better than you. And of course, no one's going to do it as good as you. You know, in terms of in your own mind. So you need to learn how to empower people, how to um, 
give them a chance to grow uh, and cultivate a great team, you have to be a coach and not a player anymore. Like you have to really coach your team, let them perform, let them fail sometimes, incentivize them in ways that is beyond compensation. So they feel like, man, this is the best job I've ever had. I've I'm grown as a person. I've grown as a professional. Um, and that's a different skill set. In the beginning, you're rolling up your sleeves. You're doing everything. You're putting out fires. Um, when when you grow a team, you have managers. You got to let them kind of take care of things. And your job is to see beyond just today and tomorrow and the next month. Is to see you know what's what's next year look like. What's five years from now? Ten years from now? Um, and so that you can communicate that vision. Well, first you need to clarify that vision for yourself and for your team, and then make sure that that's clear to everybody. Um, and, uh, I think it's Jim Rohn who said that, you know, motivation is like showering. You have to, you have to do it daily, you know, if it kind of <laughs> motivate your team and let them know, give them the why all the time, because they're in worker bee mode. Um, and you need to kind of give them a little break and say, Hey, this is why you're doing all this. Look at all the change you're doing. Look at all these great reviews we're getting. Look at what the customers are saying. Look at what uh, effect you're having on, on, on this marketplace. Um, and that's a different set of tasks and responsibilities. And of course, um, a lot more strategy, a lot more uh, evaluation, um, and also just a lot more management of managers uh, rather than managing uh, tasks or managing uh, you know, each worker and micromanaging every little thing. So um, yeah, so I, I think that's how, how it has evolved. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, you know, a few years from now, I'm going to look back at today and say, you know, man, my life was totally different back then. What I did at the company is different. You know, things will evolve and change more. And that's the one thing that's guaranteed. You're going to have to grow and change. And this is what I love about entrepreneurship. It forces you to become something different, something better every single day. Because uh, one of the things I love doing is reading biographies. If you ever read anybody's biography that you love, whether it's Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or, you know, anybody that you yeah. really enjoy, uh, you realize that they had to evolve as a person. You know, like if, just, I know this sounds like an extreme example here, but say, for example, you want to be Elon Musk. You want to you want to produce the results of Elon Musk, right? You can't do the same things you're doing every single day. You can't do the same habits. You can't think the same way. You have to change who you are. You know, like if you want to get there, you have to become somebody different. Um, and a lot of us, it takes a while for you to realize that, oh, I'm, I'm not who I need to be to be where I want to go. Um, and I need to change. It's not about like, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't have the team. No, you need to change. And that's why you're not getting the same results. Um, or that's why, that's not why you're getting uh, different results, what I should say. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I've learned along the way so far. With that too, and this journey, I mean, you start in 2014 or so and you wrote this thing. You have a, a failed podcast first. You're like, hey, we're going to pivot. We're going to do something different. You also have the Webinar Ninja, which didn't take off initially. I mean, where are things at today? How big is this company today? How big is the podcast today? I think people want to know a like, context of like how far you've come in these last like six years or so. Totally. So um, the podcast, everybody starts with zero listeners. Everybody starts with zero subscribers. Everybody starts with zero customers. Uh, so everybody who kind of says, oh man, you know, Tim Ferriss or this person got a million subscribers, like he started at zero. Everybody yep. starts at zero. Absolutely. So it started at zero. Uh, the podcast uh, <laughs> has over 130 million downloads in total, over 120,000 daily downloads an episode. Um, you know, we're really proud of that success and how much we've impacted people on the podcast. Uh, Webinar Ninja uh, has grown tremendously over the years. We've grown over 300% just in the last year. Um, we have over a million people have attended a webinar on Webinar Ninja. Wow. Um, but we're, we're still not satisfied. I mean, we're happy, we're proud. 
but we have a lot of work to do. Um, we we want to impact people in a bigger way. Uh, this is just the beginning, um, and that's that's the fun challenge about business is just like, how can I add more value? How can I solve more problems for people? How can I make this even better? Um, you know, and that's that's fun and exciting. One of the things I'm thinking about with with all the things you're doing, and uh, I think other people who have done something for a long time might consider this as well. With the podcast, I know you have you have lessons you're doing, you have guest teachers as well, but with 1600 plus episodes or so, I mean, do you ever get sick of it on that side or like think about not continuing or changing it up or, or something? I just know people have done some things where it's like, oh, I wanted to keep it interesting, maybe switch it up or whatever. I'm just curious if there's any of that has ever happened as you've kind of gone along mm-hmm. here with the show. It's interesting because a lot of people ask me like, why do you continue to do the podcast? You know, Webinar Ninja is kind of uh, its own thing. And why don't you just do that? Um, and for me, I, podcasting is a creative outlet for me. It gives me a chance just to do my thing um, and just be myself and give back and share my experiences and help other people and um, and just be the voice that I wanted when I started, when I was a few years back. Um, and for me, that never gets old. Uh, and I feel like because I've changed because I've grown, I'm able to add different value and different insights and different, uh, you know, perspective. Um, I also get, it also gives me a chance to encourage people and motivate people and let them know, Hey, I know this is hard. This is hard. I'm, I'm not one to sugarcoat business is super hard, Um, but just keep on going, keep on trying. Uh, you know, failure is a rite of passage. I just tell the, try to tell people, you know, some of the things that I've learned in hindsight that you need to hear sometimes when you're having a rough day, when you're having a tough month, when sales are down, when somebody leaves you for a better opportunity from your team or whatever it is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. This is not, uh, you know, for the faint hearted, you know, but at the same time, we're only human. We need, we need that kind of support. We need that kind of motivation. Um, and, for me, it's an honor for me to be able to continue to do that on a daily basis and, and provide that. So um, I never get bored of it. I just love <laughs> I love being able to offer new value and and also just check up on people, you know, and just be there for them every day on their commute, whether they're planning their next business, whether they're trying to figure out how to get out of their nine to five, or whether they're trying to make just some extra side income, you know, to fund a, a hobby or, you know, a vacation they've been dreaming about. Um, for me, uh, to, to be able to offer that is, is very special. One of the things I wanted to ask about, because you brought this up before running a business with your business partner and life partner, how has that dynamic been? How has that evolved over time? Totally. Um, so Nicole and I actually knew each other before we became business partners, uh, in a professional setting. So we were both, uh, educators in the same institution. So I actually knew her as a professional before I knew her romantically, um, that helps a lot because I yeah. can see her as a professional. I can see her as somebody who can add value in the workplace rather than just somebody I'm with uh, in a different context. Um, so that helps a lot. Um, having mutual respect uh, for each other, understanding that um, you know her value is is tremendous, and in, in terms of like she offers a lot of things that I can't offer. I just don't have in my 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 toolbox. Uh, and she has her strengths. And I also, you know, find that it's very important for us to both recognize we're both going on a journey. We're both going on a different journey, different paths, different development in that business journey, you know, and going through different stages, different ups and downs and recognizing that maybe we won't be in the same place all the time, 
but that we have to support each other. And um, to me, it's very hard to even imagine doing this with somebody who's not a part of the business, like like <laughs> living my life and somebody who's like, you know, has no idea what I'm doing. It just would seem so lonely and seems so, that's just my own perspective, maybe because this is my life. But, sure. um, but uh, that helps a lot. Um, I also think it's also helpful to have very defined roles, understand what you're responsible for, uh, give everybody the autonomy to make the decisions they need to make without, you know, even if you don't agree, just kind of understand that, you know, that's their realm of responsibility and let them make mistakes just, uh, or, or not mistakes, but let them make the decisions. Uh, and even if you think, oh, I, I would not make that decision or whatever, but you're not making that decision. It's not your job. And just same <laughs> vice versa. When it's time for you to make a decision, you know, um, you, you want to have that autonomy. So just having that mutual respect helps. Uh, of course, you're going to have challenges. Of course, you're going to have times where you're not going to see eye to eye. Um, but we try to end the day every day understanding that like our personal relationship is, is the most important thing. We want to make sure that we're building something for ourselves and for the future uh, that's the whole reason we're not, we're not doing this for anybody else, you know, it's yeah. not, so that's what we're trying to do. So it's good to check in. And, and, and one of the things that Nicole and I do that really helps is we go on walks, we go on, we go for a walk just in the neighborhood. We have a coffee in our hand or something like that. And it gives us a chance just to get away from the screens and talk about how's the day and what the challenges we're having and just voice some of the maybe concerns we have that we want to kind of address down the line uh, in the business. Um, and then, uh, one of the practices we've done recently, uh, in the last six months or so is, um, is be really disciplined about weekends and shutting off on the weekends and, and, and really spending time and planning things to do. Nicole's really good at making sure that we plan, you know, whether it's a movie night or going to dinner somewhere or, uh, meeting up with some friends and just living life. Remember life, you know, and, no, and that and, thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and giving your brain a chance to refresh itself and, come back Monday strong. So um, that's been helpful as well. Yeah, the breaks are definitely helpful. I know any any trips in the past I've taken, this is COVID times in the US especially, uh, mm. we feel that. But in the past, having those trips, you always come back so refreshed. And then just having weekends away or just weekends just not working, it's so, so refreshing. Even this morning when I interviewed um, Allison from Camera IQ, she mentioned going on walks as well. And that's something I've done almost every day where I just go walk to get a coffee. It's about a mile round trip and just, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to kind of relax in the day, kind of just let your mind go, whether it be listening to an audiobook or whether it be nothing at all, uh, just as helpful as you're kind of going through the day and even taking another walk in the evening potentially too, just to kind of unwind for a moment or so is, is helpful I found as well. Totally. And, and with you, you mentioned biographies and, and reading it. Were there any particular books that you found helpful or you just enjoy, whether it be personal or professional? Oh, totally, man. <laughs> I'm I'm a big believer that books are probably the best ROI that you can get in terms of business education. Like it's yeah. incredible what you can learn from a ten dollar book. Like the perspectives you gain, the the insights, the reassurance, the you know the the relief of understanding that wow, okay, I'm not in this alone. Um, some of my favorites is, are um, the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Love that book to death. Read it a bunch yeah. of times. Uh, I love Zero to One. Peter Thiel, great book. Uh, um, one of my all-time favorites is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Um, <laughs> so what good. a great, great biography, um, great memoir. Uh, I I also have like a bittersweet, uh, you know, memory of reading um, uh, Walter Isaacson's biography of Steve Jobs. Uh, that's a great book. Um, and then there's all these, all these other kind of uh, interesting 
uh, other nonfiction books uh, that are not biographies, but more like uh, strategy books, uh, perspective books, uh, things like uh, Essentialism by Greg McEwen, great book. Um, I love the book. Uh, uh, um, what is? Oh, Steal the Show. That is Steal the Show by Michael Port. So Michael Port is a great public speaking coach, uh, speaker, um, and this is just a great book on how to just show up and perform in life, whether it's in an interview, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a business. Um, and it's just a good handy guide to kind of get you through things. Um, yeah. And I, I just love, uh, like I mentioned, biographies, uh, believe it or not, one of my favorite ones is, um, is Kevin Hart's book. I can't make this up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> I was surprised that this guy was so deep and had so much to offer through his life lessons. Uh, I love uh, Brian Cranston's uh, biography, uh, Life in Parts. Uh, the guy played Walter White, you know, in the Breaking yep. Bad. Really amazing book. Um, so I, I just, these books are uh, uh, open by uh, Andre Agassi. That book was incredible as well. There's so much you can learn. There's so much you can gain. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I, it's very rare. I can't. I can only name maybe one or two entrepreneurs. It's very rare to find anybody who's successful who doesn't read on a regular basis. Um, And it's not about like reading is like the nerdy thing to do. It's just the idea of like um, the nature of a book is that it's condensed information that allows you to see a concept from A to Z, to see a story, to see an arc from A to Z. Um, And constantly getting that in your system and digesting that and learning it. Um, and I highly encourage people to have any kind of like book club or book buddies. Um, I do this with Nicole where she, I'll read a book, she'll read a book, we'll discuss it over dinner and things like that. And it's just a good chance to kind of say, oh, that really resonated with you? Oh, wow. I never thought about that. And I'm like, this is what really resonated with me. Oh, yeah, that was good. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think all the entrepreneurs or most people I know, I mean, they're all readers. I mean, they're all readers of whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be one particular thing mm-hmm. or another, but it's just such a big like life hack. Like you said, like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever right. it is. Like it, how, all that knowledge and it's a lot of it can be years and years of experience condensed down. It's just insane the amount of value you can get from a few hours of an audio book or a physical book. And I love having physical books for whatever reason. I just like opening and reading and just having that, that thing to hold, which is, uh, I find special, uh, is it, is a hundred dollar MBA book coming out soon? <laughs> uh, it's something that we've been approached by a whole bunch of times. We, um, we, we definitely think it's going to be option in the future, but, uh, nothing, nothing concrete yet. Perfect. I was just curious. I, I know there's uh, a lot of content to go off of, so I just had to ask. <laughs> yeah. And, and for you, just like kind of one of the last questions I, I love to just ask here is, uh, and you kind of mentioned recharging already, but is there anything else that you do to step away specifically that, that you find most helpful for other people who are just kind of type A entrepreneurs? Totally. Um, I really believe in doing any kind of activity that makes you completely immersed in something. Um, one of the things I picked up recently is snowboarding. And uh, snowboarding is one of those things where you have to be totally focused on in, in doing it. It's like you're just don't die, don't die kind of thing. Um, and especially in the beginning, you're learning, you're falling, you're hurting uh, your knees and your butt and all that kind of stuff. But slowly you get better. So as you get better, you start to enjoy it more and more. Um, but the thing is, is that by the end of the day, um, you, your mind is like wiped clean because you've been totally focused on one thing and nothing else. You're not worrying about your worries or business or life or whatever it is. You're just totally like immersed in this one activity. Um, so really, 
if you're that kind of person that needs to do something, you don't want to lay on a beach, just try to find something that you can get immersed in, something new, something, a new skill that you're a total beginner at. Uh, it could be a sport. It could be a hobby. It could be a craft. You know, it could be painting. It could be a tiny home building, whatever it is. But the point here is, is that like being a beginner at something, learning something, being totally focused on something allows you to just to totally forget about everything else because you're just so focused on this new thing. And and one last thing, is there anything else from your journey of of building these these different businesses with Hundred Hour MBA with Webinar Ninja that you'd you'd want to share with other entrepreneurs? Things that you've learned, just anything else you'd want to share with people as we kind of part ways here? Yeah, I think uh, my story exemplifies this: is that uh, you're going to have failures, you're going to have problems, things are not going to work out, things are not going to be uh, perfect, uh, and uh, you know it's it's just really hard for you to knock it out of the park from the first try. Um, and I think that's a blessing, not only because you learn what not to do, but you, you get a chance to learn what kind of entrepreneur you want to be. You get to ch- a chance to learn what kind of uh, business person, what kind of business you want to build. Uh, what's the end goal, what you're trying to do at the end of the day, what you're trying to deliver to your audience. Um, in the beginning, you're going to be knocking around a bit. And it's hard for you to find your voice and find your footing. And that's okay. And especially in the beginning, because you're not really well known yet. You don't have much of an audience. You're not really embarrassing yourself too much. You know, that's what, that's a real blessing I find, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, as you start to get your footing and start, uh, experimenting and trying, I always say failure is a rite of passage. You have to go through these things and realize, Hey, you know, um, you know, I always give this funny analogy, but like, you know, a two-year-old or a baby, you know, it doesn't just, to get up and start walking and like just whistling, you know, like, no, it, it falls over and over and over. And luckily babies' memories are short, so they continue to do it, you know, um, and until they finally take the first steps and they have a little bit more confidence. And, and that's the same thing in life and in any profession, by the way, like, you know, um, a doctor doesn't become a doctor, like a surgeon doesn't become a surgeon in six months, you know, like it takes yeah. them, like a decade, you know, they, they go to undergrad, they go to medical school, they do the rotations and then they're not really considered a reputable surgeon until 10 years. And most of us want to be great entrepreneurs in six months. And it's like, that's just not feasible. You know, like you just get real for a second. Um, you know, I worked on my career as an educa- educator. I wasn't even a decent teacher. Until, you know, I did my bachelor's and my master's. I I was in the classroom until maybe my fifth year in the classroom. So, again, like a decade, you know. So, I'm not saying, you know, your life is going to be horrible for a decade. But just be (laughs) patient. Be patient. Understand that this takes time. You got to give yourself a chance to learn, a chance to fail, a chance to adjust, to grow. Um, And you're going to get better. And those wins will give you momentum and you'll start to feel out okay, this is really who I'm going to become as an entrepreneur. Omar, where can people go to learn more about the different things you're working on? Sure. Um, If you're interested in doing webinars or uh, you want to kind of grow your audience through webinars, uh, you can check out WebinarNinja.com. We also have a free uh, course on how uh, to build your first webinar. If you're interested, it's at WebinarNinja.com slash course. Uh, and if you're interested in listening to our daily podcast, daily business lessons over at the $100 MBA, we're at 100mba.net. Perfect. I'll be sure to link everything up in the show notes as well. Just go grind.com slash podcast. So we have all of that. Omar, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thanks, Justin. I really appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. 
Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest growing marketing consultancies and their collaborative process, a la carte offering and month to month fee structure give clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper, to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com, and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.